Welcome to Run This World. My name is Nicole DeBoom. I'm a former pro athlete turned entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you insights and inspiration from some of the world's greatest visionaries who will help you run your world in ways that you didn't even realize were possible. All in the framework of the amount of time it takes for the average person to run a 5K. That's 36 minutes and 38 seconds, give or take a mile. We often go long, so get ready. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's get this workout started. Hey everyone, welcome to Run This World. We are on episode 11 already. Today I speak with Jenny Hadfield, but before I give you a little quick tutorial on what we're going to discuss, I am coming out of one of the busiest times of my life. I, in the middle of it, of course, got sick, which happens when you're pushing the limits, especially when you're 44 years old and you're burning the candle at both ends and getting out the door at midnight to do crazy things to make sure your project happens. I'm proud to say, though, that on Monday of of, uh, this week, we opened our first ever skirt sports retail store. So as all things happen... You can plan as much as you want, but it really comes down to the last week or two when you just have to push, push, push. So I'm exhausted, but I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I felt so much mommy guilt over the last couple weeks. My daughter was like, uh, mommy, will I, can I see you today? It's not the way I want to live my life. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to fill you guys in. I haven't posted a whole bunch of interviews for the past couple weeks because I have been just in the weeds, as I like to say, back from my uh, waitressing days at Murphy's Grill in Boulder. Anyone who's in the restaurant industry knows what in the weeds means. And it doesn't mean what you think it means in Colorado right now either. Um, All right. So with that, Jenny Hadfield is a really special person. She is, uh, I would say, one of the best real person running activists out there. She will tell you her whole story today. She's married to a a legend in the sport of running as well, a guy named John Bingham, the Penguin. And between the two of them, they are quite a powerhouse couple. Jenny's also a friend of mine. I met her years ago. I highly respect everything she does to help people get healthy and stay healthy Today, we talk about how running and walking can be for everyone. We talk about her training philosophy, which is really interesting. If anyone listening has been wondering what kind of running and training program to look at, definitely check hers out. We talk about her philosophy on time versus miles. This is a big debate too. Do you train by time or do you train by miles? And she's a big believer in the idea of small attainable goals. So she'll she'll talk a little more about that. Finally, she has this really cool business where they do running vacations all over the world. It is so cool. Runningcruise.com is the website. You will be able to read about it in the show notes. You are definitely going to want to register for one. They fill up quickly. So with that, I'm excited to bring Jenny on. All right, everyone. I have a very, very special person on the show today. As you know, I interview people who are making change in the world. This woman is one of those people. Let's welcome Coach Jenny Hadfield. Hey, Nicole. 
<laughs> I am so happy and excited that you are willing to come on my show. You just started your own podcast, which we're going to talk about later. So I feel a new connection to you in this crazy world of technology. <laughs> Besides our Chicago connection, right? Oh, yeah. Lots of connections. <laughs> Um, the funny thing is, I know for me, and I think in hearing from you, the holdup on getting a podcast going wasn't that we are shy or didn't have the content. It was how the heck do you open up and start a podcast? Right, right. The technological part of it, it seems so overwhelming at first. And then once you get to, to know the system and the process, it's really, it, it becomes quite simple. I know. Is is kind of like that for everything in life. And mm -hmm. I think that's a perfect way to open up today's show because you are one of the most, I'd say, powerful influences in running because you've, I think you've been one of the people who pioneered making running accessible to all people. So like, I think you've got a little magic that <laughs> surrounds you. It's like this little magic bubble and it's that you are real. And so you help other, and let's just say for lack of a better word, regular people. And I'm saying, you know, a lot of people who are starting running, see someone running down the street and they look like an Olympic athlete and they they look happy and they just think I could never look like that or feel like that. So therefore I can't be a runner. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what, one of the words that really stands out to me is this word mortal. Mm -hmm. So you've written a couple books that are about helping these regular and mortal people believe that they can do amazing things. So let's, let's start out a little bit with you and your background and why you were drawn to this and how you've gotten here in your life. Well, thank you for that intro and that immensely sweet and supportive uh, kudos to me. I, I just, I'm blushing. <laughs> That's my goal. I'm blushing on yes. a podcast. You can't see it, but you might be able to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, um, I'm shocked that I am living the life that I'm living professionally um, and actually personally. I grew up playing sports. I played softball. I was post Title IX. I grew up in the 70s. And so there weren't a lot of activities for us, but we were right on the edge of the cusp of opportunities coming to fruition. So softball came to our town. I lived in a small town south on the south suburbs of Chicago. And my mom signed up my sister and I, and it was 16-inch softball. So the ball was as big as our head, and the ball was huge. And fell in love with the concept of team sports and played softball basically through high school. All along the way, um, had the opportunity to play volleyball and basketball. And so I was a team sports person. And in team sports, if you think about it, you were a swimmer, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you guys didn't have to run laps, but you had to swim laps. In my world, running was always presented as a form of punishment, and so, you know, you're playing softball and you miss a play, then you got to go run laps around the field. Or if you miss a layup in basketball or you miss a volleyball serve, you had to go run laps. Or you had to do those darn suicides where you're running up and down the court and you're out of, it was always presented in a negative way. And so I always had this negative sense of what running was because it was painful because we went from zero to 60. And one of my softball coaches, Rosemary Reed, she was my first coach ever and just a doll and I just adored her. She ran around our neighborhood and she was a recreational jogger. This is the seventies. And so she'd go around and she'd jog and she had this glow about her and a smile and she'd run by our street and our house and Hey Jenny. And I always wanted to be able to do that. So that's always been in the back of my mind. 
And whenever I tried, I'd get my strap, my shoes on. I'd run down to the end of the block. Of course, I was a team sports person. So I ran as far as fast as I could to see how far I could go. It would be the end of the block. I'd stop, I'd bend over, I'd start crying and walk back in humiliation and shame. And so that was my kind of essence of how I ran, how I thought of running and how awful it was a huge mental barrier for me. And I got my degree in exercise science and health promotion and physical education in Wisconsin. And after I got my bachelor's degree, I went and did an internship at GE Medical Systems because I wanted to get into corporate fitness. And I walk in, I'm all nervous. I walk in on my first day and it's a huge fitness center, 40,000 square feet. And there's like six or seven employees and sit down and we talk about what I'm going to be doing in my internship. And first thing they say, oh, we want you to do, we're going to do a team building activity and it's going to be a 5k race in the fall. And I thought, oh God, (laughs) (laughs) I can't run. I hate running. I, I, I will clean your bathroom floor with my toothbrush. I will watch your kids. I'll do your ironing. I will do whatever filing whatever you want me to do, but I can't run. They said, just give me three weeks. So I gave them three weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Jenny, this is really funny because you equated cleaning a bathroom with a toothbrush and watching kids as both well, the most horrible thing in the internship. Not horrible, but yeah, that's probably not good, is it? Anyway, they convinced me. I gave them three weeks of my life. And what, what they did was um, there were three or four of us that would go out at most lunch hours during the day. And they started me with walking. I was overweight. It's probably 15, 20, 30 pounds overweight, somewhere in there. And not in the best shape of my life. And so we started with walking because that's where I was fitness-wise and health-wise. And, you know, I got done and I thought, gosh, I can do this. You know, we had a great conversation along the way. It was very social. They were motivating me and they weren't trying to kill me. And then along the way, it was about a three or four month process. They started sprinkling in like 15 to 20 seconds of running every couple of minutes And it was almost like I didn't even recognize it because we were having conversations and they were almost just sprinkling it, you know, here or there. Let's uh, let's let's try a run. And so I'd be able to finish. I did finish that. And again, having fun, I finished happy and I wanted to do it again. And then I wanted to do again. And little by little, they started adding more and more running time. And by the end of that season, I was able to run continuously for 30 minutes. I finished that race. I was almost last, and I was beaten by a 72-year-old man, and they announced it on the PA system, but none of that mattered because I did something that I thought I never could do. And I kind of broke through that mental barrier that I had with running and learned how to adapt to the the demands of running. So fell in love with it after that. And it it changed my life. And I think them giving me that opportunity, um, the essence of what I do, I feel like I give that to to folks that believe that they can't run. And then all of a sudden, here I am, I'm doing a 5k. And it's a life changer. I mean, how many finish lines have you crossed? It's amazing. It's amazing process. Finish lines are special places. And they are literal, you know, literal finish lines in racing, but you can definitely take that concept to all kinds of other things. Mm-hmm. You know, this is really cool, because I made a few notes from what you were talking. They basically tricked you into running. They did. They did. (laughs) And you were an intern who sort of needed to impress them. So when they said, we're doing this team building thing, you couldn't really say no. You just had to sort of do it. Right. 
But what's really funny is that you said they announced on the PA, Jenny Hadfield just got beat by a 72-year-old man. It was like a final sprint between me and the 72-year-old guy. <laughs> man. But, you know, there's so many fast 72-year-old Oh, my God, yeah. I don't even, I mean, I don't blink an eye. I just interviewed Gunhild Swanson, which anyone who's listening heard, you know, on the show prior to this, and she's 70 and just finished the Western States. Hello. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I know. So I I love your background in getting into the sport because like I said at the beginning, so many people feel barriers. They don't know how to get started and they just don't think they could ever be one of these people and go from hating running and mm-hmm. thinking of it as punishment mm-hmm. to having a life that actually includes running in a huge way. And once you get over the hump, and I got over the hump, believe it or not, after that first walking session, because I thought, okay, if this is running, I can do this. It's the the core of the philosophy that I teach is that you've got to start from where you are. If you're starting out the the way I did on my own, trying to get to the end of the block as fast as you can it's never going to work. And it doesn't work with anything that you go at in life that quickly. It just doesn't, your body needs time to adapt to the demands of running. It's a high impact activity. It's also high cardiovascular. So the, the less, the more gradual that you do it, the, the more readily your body will adapt and the quicker that you'll be able to, to run continuously. And once you get into a, a continuous, whether it's run walk or you're doing more walking than running, or you're actually doing all running. Oh my God, is it empowering? It's unbelievable. You know, I think that's one of the things I love about you with your training programs is that you, I'm going to direct everybody to your website here. So you'll take a look at the show notes and you'll get the links, but Jenny has a, a huge slew of different running plans, training plans for all distances, but not only that, you have all levels included. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can talk a little bit about the training plans in case some people here are interested in checking them out. Yeah, when I started doing all this running stuff, it was back in the nineties. And back then there really wasn't there was no internet, let's face it. There were no Google. You couldn't get on, get plans online. You couldn't get plans via email. There was none of that stuff. There were books, Runner's World, lots of great resources. But back then, the second running boom hadn't hit. So it was really for hardcore runners, people that wanted to run seven days a week. So you open a book and it would be all about running You know, six, seven days a week. And I grew up in, in professionally in this fitness realm where I understood that you know having a strong body was important, having a, a flexible body was important, um, m- moving different ways, moving your body and your joints different ways with different cross training levels. So I started kind of creating my coaching philosophy while I was a, the director of the corporate fitness center for Discover Card in the Chicagoland area. And this is when I, after I did the 5K, went on to do 10K, half marathon, like we all do, like many of us do, and ended up doing marathoning. And I, I, I started to have employees come into my office asking me, how do I, how do I train in my business life for a marathon? I want to be able to do this marathon. There weren't a lot of half marathons back then. And so I sat down with them one-on-one and just kind of crafted plans based on their fitness level because we used to do uh, fitness testing. So I'd have that access to them, what their flexibility was, what their strength was, what their cardio was, what their body fat was, all those um, variables that we plugged in. 
also their busy life and their interests. There were some folks that were doing karate, some were doing cross-country skiers, some some were doing, you know, running outside, some were running on a treadmill, some were doing stairmaster, step classes, remember low impact aerobics, all that stuff was happening in this world that we were living in. And so I started using those as ingredients in everyday mortals' lives. There was no information on that anywhere out there, but I just felt like you know, that's how I train and I can see their bodies may not do well with a seven day running, nor do they want to run seven days a week. So started weaving this concept in based on what they wanted to do, what their interests were, and then kind of wove in the core principles of training for a marathon or, or running in general. And it really was a fascinating process to see how they responded and how successful they did. And actually the rate of injuries too were, were a lot less. So that's kind of where my coaching philosophy started was within the fitness world. So you see a lot when you look at my plans, I've got over 30 template plans on my website and for every distance. So it starts with a learn to run. It's called the zero to running, um, go from zero to running and over a period of time, it's a 10 week plan, but I always encourage people to do what I did and take your time. You might have to repeat weeks. Then I've got 5k, 8k, 10k, half marathon. And I just put some 50k plans on there as well. When you look at those plans, they're on a continuum. So there are five to six levels within each distance. So it starts off with a walk plan and then it goes walk, run. And then there's a run, walk plan, a beginning run, intermediate and advanced. So depending on where you are fitness wise, you can plug yourself into that continuum and you can stay there or you can progress. Um, and that, again, that goes back to how I coach people, how I learn to coach people. And it's all, it blends in all those elements of cross training, of flexibility, of strength, so that you're a balanced runner. You know, growing up as a swimmer, I wish this kind of philosophy existed. I mean, back then it was all about more is better. Mm-hmm. And I think the same applied to the world of running. More is better. You got to run at least a hundred miles a week or you're not a real runner. Honestly, I don't know if I, I don't run a hundred miles a month right now. I barely run 10 miles a week, most weeks. Mm-hmm. So I think that is one of the things that often would put people off. And what I love about what you've done is you've just, you are such a good listener and you've learned the concept of cutting the junk miles and getting all the right quality in. Would you maybe expand on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And everybody's a little bit different, but the everyday mortal, I mean, for let's start with professional athletes. That's your profession to get out there and to train and to race. That's how you're making your money and uh, paying the bills. So it's, when you look at somebody who is doing that for a living, yeah, they're getting in over a hundred miles a week. But if you break that down, it's hours during the day. If I did two workouts and I try, you know, went out for a, a 20 mile run in the morning, it would take me four to five hours where a professional athlete, they're going to get that in, in an hour and a half, two hours ish. Um, a 45 minute for run for them might be eight to 10 miles, uh, depending on their speed and what they're doing. So they're, if you look at the time that they spend in the day versus the time that we spend to do the same distance in the miles, it really doesn't add up. So you've got to start with understanding who we are. We've got careers, we've got family, kids, responsibilities, stressors, and all of that. Not that professional athletes don't, but We've got so many other variables that we've got to add into that. And on top of that, we're not professionals. 
we are inefficient. Um, We're less efficient than somebody that does this for a living. If you went to play golf and you were playing with Tiger Woods, you know, he would get through the course a lot faster than, than you or I. So if you went to rub, run with Meb or Dina, you know, you're going to get through the course a lot slower than, than they are. That's just a reality of who we are. And that's, that's okay, but you've got to be able to plan your training around who you are and what, what your, where your strengths are. And for an example, if I have a runner that is, has uh, inefficient form and high risk for injury, I might take them and have them do their high intensity work on either an elliptical or a bike or something with low impact. So then we can balance that off with some easier effort base building running. So just one example of how, you know, you can train an athlete or train an everyday mortal differently than what you might see in a book or on paper. So you just need to be super mindful of who you are, what you're trying to accomplish and be super patient. Less is more almost always. We're in a, you mentioned this before, um, back when, when it was all about volume. And I think to a certain degree right now, it's all about high intensity. I mean, everything we're doing is, is high, high, high intensity. And that's great if you're trying to stay in shape, but when you're trying to train for, a race like a marathon or a half marathon, 10K or 5K, you're on a progressive training plan. So you've got to be super mindful that not everything is high intensity. Sorry, that was a rambling long answer. That uh, that is so awesome. And, you know, I have one more technical question. Mm -hmm. I don't do a lot of technical, but you're like, miss, you know, all the answers. So I think a lot of people are really interested in the concept of time versus miles. Mm -hmm. Which way do you go? I go, if you look at my plans outside of the zero to running plan, which is based in minutes, I do a hybrid. The midweek workouts are in time. So they're usually Monday through Sunday, um, midweek, anything outside of your longer weekend run is in minutes and the longer runs are in miles. And I do this because if it's a template, I don't know who I'm coaching, right? Anybody could download that program. So let's say there's a a six mile easy run on Wednesday. Well, that could take one person an hour and a half to two hours, and it could take another 50 minutes. And the person that runs it in 50 minutes might not get enough training. And the person that's running for two hours is going to be overtraining. So to avoid that, I use minutes. And so everybody gets a good amount of training, quality training based on which level program they're following without overtraining, without undertraining. Um, and then the longer miles, I, I use miles so that there's a sense of uh, a percentage of what they're training for. So the longest um, distance I typically go for a marathon for a beginner or intermediate is 20 miles. You know, if you if you go by time on the longer distances, you may only get in ten miles for a marathon, and I I don't feel like that's enough for somebody to mentally and physically tackle the marathon distance. So that's why I use miles on the the longer runs, so that they have not only a mental understanding of of how far and how that feels, but a physical sense of how to get through it and get the time on their feet. So, yeah, it's a it's a, a blend of using both. It's brilliant because I, okay, I think a lot of people have hangups on the mileage they do and taking that pressure off and saying, you're just running a 30 minute run today. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if you go three miles or, you know, five miles or 
one mile. Like you just need to get the time in. But it's the confidence of knowing that they can actually finish a distance is going to come from doing a certain amount of mileage. However, you don't want to do so much that you hit like diminishing returns or injury or they can't recover from it. And for the everyday mortal, that's more of what I see is they're overdoing. And this this concept came to me because a lot of the programs that were out there were saying, oh yeah, go do a 10 mile run on Wednesday. Well, <laughs> for somebody who's running now my pace too, it, 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 that's a couple of hours. You know, who's got a couple yeah. of hours on a Wednesday to do that? And people were trying to, you know, clients that I were seeing and emails that I were getting, people were trying to get that in. And, and not only was it uh, a lot of time during their day, but it was having them train well beyond what their fatigue point is. And it really was causing diminishing returns. It just, it did not, it overtrained them rather than prepare them. And I personally would rather, once a, a runner has a base, use those days to, to work on different uh, colors, different zones. So I might have them do a tempo run or an interval run. So you're mixing up the fitness base improving your speed, improving, you know, your oxygen intake, all those things that are so important for a well-balanced runner rather than just getting out there and doing lots of miles. I love it. It's, (laughs) you just have such a balanced, balanced approach in so many ways. I I think I'm going to shift us for a minute here. Okay. And talk about something that is often on the minds of women, especially, but men too, um, at different phases in their lives. And that is body image. Because mm-hmm. you hit on this a little bit with your own personal story and how, you know, your path towards joining the running world. Mm-hmm. Will you share just your thoughts on, you know, what you see about women and men getting into the sport and how running can affect their sense of self? Yeah, I, I, this is still something that's very personal to me. It's, um, you know, growing up, I was a relatively normal weight, um, and weight was never an issue in our family. And as I made my way through puberty, that changed. Uh, I wasn't obese, um, but I would definitely probably 15 ish pounds chubby overweight and felt that in my body, just really uncomfortable in my body. And as I made my way into becoming a woman, it, it's there, the pressure really got to me and being in the fitness field, oh my gosh, the pressure to be perfect and the pressure to wear back then the, you know, the tights and the leotards and the knee highs and leg warmers and to look a certain way and be in the fitness field was really quite stressful. In running, when I started running, it really helped me to lose weight in a comfortable way, not in an obsessive way. Um, it also helped me become more confident in a way. And I think part of that goes with the doing something that I never thought I could do. And I think the other part of it is just putting right, left, right, left. No one else is there unless you're running with a girlfriend or a group, but it's you, you've got to power yourself from start to finish. And there's something very meditative about both walking and running that I think helps define who you are. And it may just last for the 30 minute run that you're out there, but it plants a seed. And when you continue to do that and other workouts, it continues to remind you of who you are, um, coming from the strength from inside. Because when I'm out there running, I did a run this morning. I just feel like it's all together. (laughs) 
that may not be a great way to define it, but I just feel like I'm so it's meditation to me. I'm not sitting in a room, you know, with my legs crossed breathing, but I am breathing hard and it's, there's a rhythm to it and it's just me. And I'm thinking through the process of what I'm going to do today. How do I feel about myself? And I breathe through it, which is very similar to what you do when you sit and meditate. So I think there's a physiological sense that happens when we work out, but I think running and walking is one of the most primal things that we can do. We are made to run and walk. So I think there is something meditative that goes, that happens there, something very Zen that brings us back to who we are. Um, but yeah, I think that in the fitness field and in the, in the world in general, I think there's so much pressure to be a, a certain size or a certain body weight or a certain body fat percentage. And the images that are presented to our youth, um, there's it's stress, and I think that's beginning to change. You you look at uh, is it Amy Schumer, the um, Melissa McCarthy, mm-hmm. and Amy Schumer who who are starting to set trends and just body beautiful, no matter what you look like. You know, it's understanding that your body is a beautiful thing. I think women like that. I also think men that are doing that as well um, are setting planting the seeds for our youth to understand that you know, who you are starts with the inside, not the outside and moving it from there. I, I also think that, you know, our, in our world is, especially our nation is overweight. You know, we have a huge issue with our food. We have a huge issue with obesity and that all ties into it. So I think there's a combination of how do we live a healthy life and a balanced life, but understand that, our body image starts with the inside rather than the outside. There's confusion there. And I think we're working through that as a, as a culture. I definitely think we're progressing too, but it's still there. Mm -hmm. And women, especially, and men too, are often tied to the scale. Oh yeah. And and imagine if there was no media or social media, Mm -hmm. maybe it wouldn't be that way. I don't know. But this, this need to compare, to try to improve yourself uh, by changing yourself, it's, it's definitely unhealthy. And what you said about running is that it brings you back to your, it's like your head, heart, and core are connected, mm-hmm. right? Body and mind. And which is probably a lot of what meditation is. Do you meditate? I try. I, um, I try. <laughs> I try so hard. I do this one minute breathing exercise that for me is, is like climbing Mount Everest <laughs> for meditation. So I'm very proud that I'm able to do that. Um, I try to do that in the morning. I try to do that in the shower and just kind of set my intention for the day, thinking positive thoughts, focus, focusing on my breath, you know, setting the tone for the day. Um, I'm not as good at it as I should be, but I find for me right now in my life, going out for an afternoon walk just to get out and get some steps in because I sit so much for a living now that that helps me kind of bring things together more so than, than sitting down for 20 minutes. So, you know, I try and balance the two breathing in the morning, setting my intentions and then getting out in the afternoon to get some sunlight and just kind of clear my head. I love this idea of a one minute breathing exercise Mm -hmm. is being very difficult for someone who is new to that world or still adapting that skill. I would also find it to be like climbing Mount Everest. I struggle with yoga. I mean, yeah. it's, if my heart rate's not up, I, I lo- it's difficult for me. Mm-hmm. So I totally understand that. And I actually think it's totally relatable and goes all the way back to your running history of 
you're running for one minute at a time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of your programs start with running for one minute. Mm -hmm. And that's all you need to get started. One minute. Yep. And everybody can do, I mean, everybody can do, I, I started with 15 seconds. So everybody can do 15 seconds. You know, you can start off with that or start off with walking like I did. But mm -hmm. yeah, I break it down, eat the elephant one bite at a time. I was in the middle of a, the eco challenge, actually in the start of the eco challenge. And I was so overwhelmed. This was an eight to 10 day race. Mark Burnett produced it and multi-sport multi race. And we were in Borneo, Malaysia, where there were headhunters and leeches and all this stuff that could get us. And I was with my teammates at the start line and I was freaking out. <laughs> what the heck? You know, we had raced in Florida and Michigan. <laughs> West Virginia. I mean, I mean headhunters, no big deal, but <laughs> right, leeches, right. ew. Anyway, my teammate uh, looked over at me and he said, just eat the elephant one bite at a time, you know, break it down. We're not thinking about 10 days right now. We're thinking about, you know, the next 10 minutes and take a breath. And that's what we did together. And it, it, it just, we proceeded to to move through that race together, but I'll never forget that. And I, he quoted somebody and I don't know who ever said that. I think it was another, uh, uh, adventure racer, but, um, yeah, yeah. It's all about breaking it down and starting gradually because there's this instinct to, especially if you have some sense of like returning runners, runners that haven't run in a year or two, five or 10 that want to come back to it. They have their minds know how to run, but their bodies can't get there. So I, I use that philosophy with them a lot because they want to get back to, you know, running the way they used to run as they remember it. And they really got to start with where their, their body and their fitness level is. So yeah, it works, works for everybody. Oh, that is so great. I'm going to use that quote forever. <laughs> Since we don't know who made it, I'm going to give you the uh, kudos, okay. eat the elephant one bite at a time. Um, love it. Well, speaking of eating, okay. <laughs> Tell me, uh, I'm curious about your eating philosophy. Oh. Everyone listening, hey, we're all driven by a lot of things, one of which is eating good food. Mm -hmm. So what does Jenny Hadfield eat for breakfast? Oh, this starts with my grandmother. My grandmother used to, she used to live three houses down from us, my nan, my nana. And she would come down and make us breakfast, and she was a very traditional, warm breakfast uh, person. So she would make us poached eggs and toast and tea. And that's what we had. We had, you know, that was our breakfast. And so that's on, if I have time in a day, I'll make two poached eggs. I'll have some sprouted bread, uh, might slap on a slice of cheese if I'm feeling like it and maybe a little sauteed spinach, sometimes not. And then either have a cup of coffee or a cup of white tea. Are you a gluten-free girl? I have been. <laughs> it's a long I have, been. I have been a lot of things. <laughs> I wish I could get the eating exactly right, but I think it's a process. It's evolution, not revolution. I uh, have a thyroid issue, hypothyroid. I was diagnosed, gosh, 20 plus years ago now and um, started working with a, a natu naturopath and found out that I may not have actually been hypothyroid, that I might have just had adrenal stress back then, but they didn't know what adrenal stress was back then. Anyway, long story short, I, I started to, to do gluten-free for a couple of years, and I really did well. And what I found along the way for me was I was having digestive issues. Some of it was from the gluten-free products that I was eating, but some of it was that I wasn't getting in the foods that helped, like the higher fiber foods. So I've kind of gone moderate now. Um, 
but it depends on whether I'm traveling or not, but try and go with a, like a bread. I'll go with a Ezekiel bread, which is a sprouted bread. Oh, I love that stuff. Um, so things like that. I'm not perfect. I'm not even close to perfect when I travel. It, it especially on our cruises, it, it goes a little bit crazy. And then I have to come back and get on the program again. But <laughs> if I'm in a good run, you know, I'm an everyday mortal, right? Um, totally. <laughs> it's, it, you know, it's a process and it's, it's a, it's a battle and a struggle when you're traveling for sure. Okay, quick sidetrack. Mm-hmm. Um, we use the word mortal a lot. Well, when you get on JennyHadfield.com, you're going to check out her books. And her books are titled, and you've got a few now, but Running for Mortals and Marathoning for Mortals, which were co-authored by your amazing husband, correct? Mm-hmm. John awesome. the Penguin. Yep. So definitely take a look at those. Um, on the issue of food, I actually want to talk a little bit about your challenge program. Was it started because people overeat during the holiday season and they needed some way to get through that and justify it? Or tell me a little bit about this. I'm making things up here. Take two steps back. When I was in corporate (laughs) fitness, that was a good segue. When I was in corporate fitness, uh, part of my job was to come up with creative promotions to get people moving. And so we had Super Bowl of Fitness and all these fun activities to get people down and, and working out and living a healthy lifestyle. And five years ago, I, when I, I sold my half of the company that I own, Chicago Endurance Sports, and was kind of working on building my brand and building my website, I started a promotion called the Holiday Challenge. And it was a simple eight-week program that ran from Thanksgiving through the new year. And the it was, eating season. Yes. And it was geared to, that's where fitness tends to drop off because we have parties and functions and it's colder in most states. Um, you know, the food is coming at us, the sweets are coming at us, and it's a really challenging time of year to stay on track. And it's a very, very simple concept. And it started off with, we didn't even have a Facebook group because there weren't Facebook groups back then. Um, it was a website. It was on a program on my website and it was emails every week and they could post on my site, but there was no group part of it. And that evolved little by little. It started off with, I think, two or 300 people. And last year we had over 5,000 people. Now there's a private group. Um, and they didn't, we got to the point where in January, everybody started crying, like, we don't want to stop doing this. So I started the challenge program. Now the holiday challenge is always free. It's a free motivational program and anybody can do it. And the challenge program, there's a nominal fee. It's $45, but it runs all year round. Private Facebook group, very intimate. There's a little over 700 people in the group. And every month I put out a challenge. And the challenge is sometimes physical. Sometimes it's based on running. Sometimes it's based on fitness or health. We also do healthy habits. Like this month uh, for May, we're working on sleep and what healthy sleep means and just making one small habit each month to help improve our health. So it runs all the way through the year and every month there's something different to focus on and it's all wrapped up around my core philosophy of, of that balance of weaving in all the things that we should be weaving in, but not taking these huge bites, eating it a little bit at a time. I'm detecting a theme here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, and I fully agree. I mean, when you tell someone, Hey, I'm going to give you a training plan and the race is in three years, like they're going to lose focus. Mm -hmm. So making sure that there are little things that they can do along the way Mm -hmm. and as small as one minute a day, breathing exercise, boom, you've made progress. 
look at the world that we live in. We have so much information coming at us now. If you Google running or you Google marathon or you Google 10K or learn to the amount of information that that comes at you is overwhelming and it's confusing, I think, to most people. So I think keeping it simple is my core philosophy and it's not for everybody. But if you start from that platform, you can grow and evolve and and learn not learn what works best for you because everybody's different. Yes, that is definitely true. Everyone's different. And once they find a philosophy that they can relate to, then they're going to trust it. And I think that's what you've created is a culture of trust. Oh, that's sweet to hear. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Hey, I'm all about compliments today, aren't <laughs> you I? You are. I'm feeling very <laughs> confident and good about myself. <laughs> You're looking awesome today. You know, since this uh, podcast is based around running a 5K, and average 5K time is 36 minutes and 38 seconds, by the way, Mm -hmm. which when a lot of people hear that, it really makes them feel good because they thought they were like the slowest person out there. And then they go, oh my gosh, I'm average. Mm -hmm. Yay. Right in there. I know. And not that there's anything wrong with being in the back of the pack. Mm -hmm. That's a fun place to be. That's where all the fun's Um, happening. So let's, let's hit on, before we wrap up, mm-hmm. let's hit on your running vacations, because I think this just goes through this whole flow of lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I am so intrigued by the concept of a running vacation on a cruise. I'm sitting here imagining people running around a ship. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I'm sure that that's not what happens. And maybe you can explain what these running vacations are and how they started. Yeah. It, it started a vacations for me growing up. My mother did a fantastic job. It was a time when all of us came together and had a wonderful time. They used to put us in a van, drive us down to Disney world. And, uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful time in, in my life, good memories. And so vacations for me have a very good connotation for healing and restoration and fun and getting off the grid and all those wonderful things that happen when we're away from our day-to-day lives. And John and I, my husband and I, um, he had started a production company, race production company, John Bingham Racing. I had owned, part-owned uh, Chicago Endurance Sports. And so, and I was doing all the adventure racing and some of the adventure racing included some stage race, which means you do part of the race each day. And we had done a cruise with Runner's World. It was a very traditional cruise where you kind of stopped and there were clinics on board and we did some jogs along the the, uh, roads and then we got back on the cruise and we kept going and they stopped doing that. And we, we, while we were on that cruise, we found out that they weren't going to continue to do that. And John and I said, gosh, this would be a great idea to, to do as a staged half or full marathon. And so we started in Alaska because that's the one that we were doing. And we put together 5K, 10K, and we do have a half marathon option or 5K. So runners can get come along. A, they get on board. There's usually 100 to 200 of us on board. All of us are walkers, run walkers or runners. So immediate connection. We're all there and we can do, you can do a 5k, you can do a 10k, um, or half marathon distance. When we stop in a port, we meet with the locals and they take us and wrap the the courses around the jewels and gems, which is something I learned from Mark Burnett and eco challenge. So you're not just running along the sidewalk. When you get off the cruise ship, you are running through the Tongass national forest and along the Mendenhall glacier. So you can see views of the glacier. Uh, we do a fun gold rush, uh, amazing race in Skagway. And then we do a hike to a, a lake in the mountains at altitude. And, 
it's all wrapped around exploring the regions in a very unique way on your feet. And it's with like-minded, fun, fun people. There's no competition. We set it up like the Tour de France. So each day there's stage winners. You can win the stage. Sometimes we do it with playing poker and whoever draws the ace. Sometimes it's based on predicted runs. So it's all about pacing. Um, but it's all about being competitive with yourself or not. It's your vacation and just doing and seeing things actively on vacation and balancing out the intake with the outtake. Oh, good Lord. It's I so think we fun. all want to come, especially to Alaska, but don't you have some other locations now too? Yeah, we do. We started Alaska on 2006. So we've been doing this 10 years now. Then we added the Caribbean, um, and now we're doing them in, we're going to do a land based in Tuscany that's sold out. We're doing the South of France on a riverboat, which is fantastic in the fall. Um, and Hawaii is coming up in 2018. Um, we're going to that one. Remember <laughs> Hawaii will be all the islands, which is so cool. Um, yeah. And then, you know, we do some land-based, I do some, a little more rugged adventurous trips. We're doing the Inca trail marathon adventure. So you're doing the 26 miles on the Inca trail and the finish lines at Machu Picchu over four days. Fantastic events. I'm doing a Kilimanjaro climb in Africa in 2017. So it's all about having that little bit of challenge, but, you know, also having a lot of vacation and just vacationing with fun, fun people. Um, personally, there's nothing wrong to, uh, in my opinion with the, you know, one week beach vacation, just lay around, but, and some people really need that, but I personally am not built that way. And many, mm -hmm. many, many women that I hang out with who enjoy an active lifestyle would you know, prefer an active vacation. And for those people who actually feel they have to get in a race to mm -hmm. feel like it was more of this racecation concept, mm -hmm. um, in, for some of your events, you actually do have like a 5k at the end, don't you? Yeah, we do. We do. We, we tend to not call them races because they are boutique. They're, they're events that we create and that are produced solely for us. Um, so we call them events, but they are, you can race them, you can run them, you can walk them, you can sleep in and not do them at all. Um, <clears throat> but in each port we do something and sometimes we'll do a, a, an excursion like a kayak or something different on a specific day, but it's, yeah, it's, you don't have to do any of it. Most people do most of the events cause they're so fun and we wrap them around like our events in Ketchikan. We take them out to the Tongass national forest. It's our last event. It's a 5k or 10k through the trails. And then we have a, a fresh salmon bake craft beer. Um, you know, we have vegan options and if you don't eat fish, but I mean, how often can you go have fresh salmon cooked on a grill in the middle of Alaska? <laughs> So, you know, it's, it's, and then for folks that don't, you know, in the Caribbean, especially if you really enjoy laying out in the sun, you get your workout in, in the morning, you get to see and explore like an excursion. And then you come back and you lay out by the pool all day. Or, you know, we go to Megan's Bay in St. Thomas, we start and finish there. And then you can go stand up paddle boarding. You can just lay down on the sand and relax, go for a swim. So it's a cool balance of being able to have that down Zen time and chill time, but also get in your activity as well. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Okay. So they can find all this information on your website, right? They can find it in two places. They can go to coachjenny.com 
or they can go to runningcruise.com. Ooh, mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, well, I'm going to be up there. I'll be taking the next slot on every single one of these. So <laughs> okay, hurry awesome. up, folks. <laughs> All right, so we are a little over our 5K, and I like to end every episode here with the, the name of the podcast is Run This World. Every single person I bring on is a visionary. And what I like to do is ask you, what is one nugget, one thing, one piece of advice you would give people that will help them run their worlds in a bigger and better way than they do right now? Mm, good question. I think it, it ties back to what I was saying earlier and how I try and live my life. Keep it simple. Um, you know, don't try and overcomplicate things. Take it one bite at a time, one mile at a time, sometimes one breath at a time, break it down. Cause we live in a stressful world and we can get overwhelmed very easily. And the concept of consistency starts with really breaking it down and digesting it one bite at a time. Is this a podcast about food today or running? <laughs> it's kind of turned into, I'm getting kind of hungry, actually. <laughs> Me too. I love that advice. Keep it simple. I mean, it just, it works in so many ways. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you, you are amazing. Thanks for sharing all this wonderful, great advice and, and experience with us. And gosh, congratulations on your new, wonderful podcast. Yay. All right. Well, um, I'm going to have you on again soon. So we'll come up with another new great theme. Awesome. All right. Thanks for coming on the show. All right. Take care. All right, everyone. So how do you love that Jenny Hadfield? Eating the elephant one bite at a time. I think it's my new favorite saying. Definitely go on to NicoleDeBoom.com and check out the show notes for Jenny Hadfield. Uh, You'll want to check out JennyHadfield.com. You would definitely want to sign up for a running cruise at RunningCruise.com. And check out her challenge, too, especially when the holidays come. Right now, maybe you won't need the uh, motivation as much, but during the eating season, her challenge is uh, tough to beat. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I certainly did. If you have any kind of suggestion for future interviewees, let me know. You can also check me out on Facebook and Instagram. I'd love to hear from you. So that's it. You know what time it is. It's time to go out and run this world. Have a great weekend or workout for that matter. And I'll see you next week.